Is your soul ready for the truth? Welcome to Chatcast, the award-winning spiritual podcast that takes on all the hard topics. Raw, unfiltered, and authentic. No spiritual or relationship issue is off limits. We discuss everything from sex and consent to equality, grief, death, and the spirit world. Life evolves around relationships. So if you're ready to get right with yourself so you can be right with others, then stay right here because Chatcast is for you. Now, here's your host, spiritual empath, shaman, and multiple award-winning best-selling author, Tracy Dunblazer. Hi, good afternoon. It's Tracy Dunblazer here with Chatcast. If you don't know, I'm a spiritual empath, shaman, and multiple award-winning author. And I write books on spirituality. And here at Chatcast, we like to address the hard topics. You know, one of the things that makes a topic difficult to, to address or to deal with is that we don't talk about it. We are unfamiliar. We are taught to be fearful. We are taught to be resistant to certain things. Um, and when, when we are taught to be resistant, eventually that resistance becomes a pattern in our culture. And that's what we're experiencing now is that we don't know how to talk about today's topic is navigating loss. And we don't really know how to talk about loss, death, grief, um, all the different profound multiple losses that we are experiencing today uh, during this pandemic and just in this the profound world changes that are going on uh, over and over in every minute of every day. And, and also the information of, of the ability to know what's happening, to know and understand the losses that we are all experiencing, uh, which leaves us with a, an emotional and spiritual loss of innocence. You know, once you know about something, you can't, you can't unknow it. <laughs> you can compartmentalize and you can, you can do a lot of things to try to distract yourself from the reality, from that truth. But once you know it, it's there, it's there. And it only gains more and more traction in your consciousness um, as you ignore it. The more you press up against it and, and try to resist understanding what the transition you are being asked to navigate is meaning when we lose something it is our spirit helping us to transition into a new way of thinking being living um, and experiencing life sometimes perceiving life trust you know sometimes when we when we uh give up fear we have to uh, learn how to trust right? It's, it's a new, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I have to move, I have to move everything for my dog Paloma. She had, this is, this is, <laughs> this is the only place in the entire space that she can navigate through to get to where she wants to go. So when you navigate loss, there are three types of loss that we come across. The first is physical loss. Um, our physical losses are death, 
loss of our belongings, loss of our physical function, maybe loss of your sight, your hearing, use of a limb, use of your body, use of your brain, the different aspects of your brain. There are a lot of things and ways that we can endure and experience a, a physical loss, but there still is, is a lot of life to live and multiple arenas to experience or dimensions to experience despite that loss. So one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, in regards to physical loss is the grief, the mourning and the recovery. In any, when we are navigating any loss, we first have to address uh, our transitional mechanism, which is grief. Grief is the part of us um, that creates a channel through us from our higher self, through our body and into this physical world. It actually connects all three of those elements so that we um, continually feel integrated and sustained with energy, with love, with compassion, with uh, grief. Grief is the thing that connects all three of those things together. So when we have had, let's say uh, someone in our life has died. Um, right now, there are millions of people. We've lost almost a million people um, just here in America from COVID-19. Uh, those aren't the global numbers. You know, there are millions of people who have died because of this virus. And so there are millions and millions of people who are out there grieving that loss. And so if you're one of those grievers, or you're one of those people who are supporting someone who's had that kind of loss, you have to make an immediate adjustment to being task oriented, right? When you, when you've had a major physical loss, the first thing that you have to do is learn how to survive without that loss, without what you've lost, without that person, and making that conscious adjustment sometimes requires that we have to sit aside our emotions. And so how can you make that adjustment without restricting your emotions, but still being task oriented? Uh, Paloma had some thoughts on that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, now she's quiet. Um, one of the things I wanted to address is the idea of self-pity. We use self-pity in any, um, when we feel sorry for ourselves, it is a way that we recognize what is going on with our heart. It is a way that we take in information from our environment to give us um, clues as to where we need to put our energy, how we can become task-oriented. Uh, how we can uh, become aware of what we emotionally need so that we can be focused and present to take care of things that, that must be taken care of for our survival, right? Um, and so I wanted to read a little bit about that. This comes from my book, Conquer Your Karmic Relationships, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart and Restore Your Soul. It's called uh, The Spiritual Purpose of Self-Pity. Intense feelings are your way of digging into your soul for information and then using it for self-realization, especially self-pity. It's a sharp arrow, powerful enough to pierce the absolute heart of the matter. 
Experiencing pity for yourself means that you are recognizing, empathizing, and commiserating with your own sorrow, which is the prerequisite for compassion. Self-pity brings an extraordinary focus to where you are wounded and the attachment that holds you in the state of emotion. It's a valuable process to become clear about the people, places, and things that trigger you to feel sorry for yourself. There is always a deeper message in connection, connecting the dots to your sorrow. So self-pity then is the mechanism that we use to, to recognize our needs and to recognize where we are not giving ourselves what we need, right? May we're making choices that put us in a, in a position to feel bad or feel put upon or to feel unable to navigate or to move. So with that, armed with that information, you can make better and more advantageous choices for yourself. The other thing, once you have recognized that self-pity, the next level is, is about setting boundaries. When you've had a physical loss, you've got to be clear about what, what can happen and what can't happen, where, what you have energy to invest in and what you don't have energy to invest in. So practicing, interestingly enough, practicing setting boundaries, being clear, speaking succinctly, uh, speaking the words that you want to use and being precise with those words to get across your meaning. It's really easy as you, you know, oftentimes if you guys have been watching ChatCast over the last uh, year and a half, I can, I, I am queen of a run-on sentence. I, I, I channel my information. I, I, I get into a free form flow of thinking. And my goal is always to be precise, but the only, the only precision I achieve is because I practice it. <laughs> because, the, because how I have access the information is not, it doesn't lend itself to precision. And so you really do have to practice being clear on what you think uh, what you feel, and then being able to communicate that. Uh, one of the techniques is to use as few words as possible. You know, if you need something, don't ask ask somebody if they can, uh, you know, what they're doing later. Uh, would they be in the area to go pick up a blah, blah, blah. Ask for what you want straight out. Hey, I need some groceries. Can you go for me? Right? There, there are a lot of ways that we communicate, that we are taught to communicate with the illusion of being polite with the illusion of being, uh, you know, um, what's the word, being selfish if we're too direct, right? Or, you know, if you're a woman and you are too direct, uh, there, you know, we still live in a, a patriarchal society that's uncomfortable with, with being direct or being firm or uh, clear and curt in, in how you communicate what your needs are. So your goal is to get it out in the clearest way possible with the fewest words possible. Because doing that, it really gives precision to the people who really do want to help you. If they, if they see that you're in need and, and they know that you need help, they want to help. If these people love you, they want to help. And so your clarity gives them a, a pathway to be able to give you what you need in the situation. So that's the first 
topic of grief when you've had a physical loss. Uh, the next element of grieving is giving yourself permission to grieve. Letting, giving yourself, sitting aside time to process through the emotion that you feel, the, the rage, the anger, the disgust, the frustration, the, the lack of fairness. There, you know, there are a lot of physical losses that happen where, you know, maybe, maybe you've been told that a full recovery isn't going to be possible for you. The possibility is a whole other topic, right? But no matter what, when you've been told that you, you're not going to be able to, you've lost your eyesight, it's not ever going to come back, or, you know, you've lost the use of a limb, it's been amputated. You have to walk through a process where you, you say goodbye to that aspect of yourself and the you that lived in that way so that you can make way for the new you that is coming and that's, that's going to now guide you in your life, right? The, 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 the new you that's going to be living the new life without that thing. So giving yourself permission to process your feelings about that and to make the transition into understanding what, what might be value about, valuable about it, right? In any loss, you know, I, I like to think of, of loss as, you know, us being redirected. And even, even when we lose people, it's not, it's not that, you know, they, we, we didn't want them or didn't need them or, or what they weren't a part of our destiny. It's, it's, it's not any, that, that is not the meaning. The meaning of any loss is to, when we have relationships with people and then we lose those people and we lose that relationship, we, we open up to that relationship with ourselves. That thing that we engaged with them, we have cult we've been through that relationship cultivating for ourselves. And so when that loss occurs, it allows us an opportunity to step into what we've been cultivating all that time in that relationship. So making that transition into giving yourself permission to grieve and honor uh, the loss that has occurred by even just with your with your imagination with your thinking to imagine what it might be like to live in a powerful way on this new path that's been loaned to you so this is tracy dumblazer with chatcast and uh, we'll be back in a minute are you haunted Demons know about you. You should know about them. Master your inner world. Embrace your power with joy. Brings the information that many who suffer spiritual trauma have been waiting for. And the response has been powerful. In this award-winning book, renowned spiritual empath and shaman, Tracy Dunblazer, helps readers understand and gain advantage over spiritual forces and past life influences that impact their lives. Tracy reveals the origin of dark forces and how choices you make will dictate their access to you. Through the tapestry of anecdotes, channelings, and rituals, you will discover your own spiritual awareness and healing power. Master your inner world. 
by Tracy Dunglazer. Available where books are sold. Hi, this is Tracy Dunblazer, Spiritual Empath, and welcome back to Chatcast, the place where we address difficult topics. Uh, right now, we are talking about navigating loss, and I'd like to address now how we, we navigate through emotional loss. One of the, the major aspects of any loss is our emotionalism, our grief, our beliefs about grief our personal emotional integrity, uh, our reputation, relationships, right? These are all aspects of the emotional world that when we, sometimes in a physical loss, but always pretty much every day, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a point at which we process some form of loss uh, emotionally throughout the day. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it really, there, there are a lot of elements that we have to let go of because we can't control our environment. We can't control what other people do. We can only control our response to it in the situation. And sometimes the only way to be able to control our response in the situation is to grieve what we think it says about us what we think it says about the world that we live in, what it, what we think it says about maybe someone that we care about or cared about, the idea of being disappointed in other people or in, in the government or in, in, in the systems that uh, guide our world, right? There's a lot of emotional uh, connection that we have got to get a handle on by owning what our relationship to it is by owning who we are and giving ourselves permission to make changes. You know, I think today uh, we find a lot of people culturally who there are different elements to the self. So each person incarnates uh, with a soul and their soul has specific information about them. And then that soul, that information is drawn out or nurtured in their environment, how they grew up, uh, uh, the caregivers they have, the family dynamic that they grow up in or lack of it. So all of those things impact how they emotionally process information and then how they're able to use that information to make effective decisions in for themselves, right? Which also includes self-mastery and, and uh, living and acting in a, in a balanced way emotionally, which <laughs> who does that? Oh my good God. You know, it's a, it's, it's all a process and we are all works in progress. Um, so what do you do when you have to process an emotional loss? That's a D. So I want to read to you something about uh, something from my book, Master Your Inner World, Heal Spiritual Trauma to Open Your Heart and, uh, and Open Your Heart and Restore Your Soul. No, I lied. Embrace Your Power with Joy. Um, this was the first book of the Demon Slayer's Handbook series. And in it, there's a, a, a part about taking ownership. 
we are all truly connected and God expresses love and power through each and every one of us. It is our job to be accountable for that expression of love and the degree of vibra and vibration by which we express it. For every higher, there is a lower. For every negative, there is a positive. Duality is one of the ways we explore and understand God's universe. While we are under the influence of duality, there are specific rules that we must follow in order to have balance. The consequences for not following the rules is imbalance. Imbalance is never permanent, ever. Part of balance is seeing the big picture, expanding your philosophy and beliefs to include possibilities of limitlessness and eternity, but not every person will see the big picture at the same time. People will see it in their own time and inevitably all will see it. This is where the idea of having multiple lives comes in. It allows us to conceptualize and accept ourselves as powerful multidimensional beings who have had multiple experiences that give us wisdom along our path of enlightenment and evolution. The greatest tragedy is for the one to have for for one to have wisdom but no voice. Our multidimensionality leads us to take joy in all things and in all ways, lifting us out of duality and into self-realization. So the idea that when we are in a place of duality, light, dark, uh, we begin to recognize in this, in this format, we consider the cosmos or our highest self, the light, the highest vibration. And then the darkest part of ourself is, is that which is hidden. It's our unconscious self. It is our shadow. It's a, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about it lately as our hidden information, our personal mystery that we are sent here to uh, awaken, to awaken and enlighten ourselves of what we've come here with and the truth that it holds and maybe the, the, the old lies that it holds that we bring with us to transform here in this world, in this body. So when you are overcoming an emotional loss, you are relating to yourself in a new way. You are giving yourself permission to no longer feel the same things and to, and to consider that the world is ever changing and our viewpoint or vision of the world, our perception of the world, the, what, what we believe the world is, all of those things are always changing. And as we grow and develop and our experience expands, our beliefs and ideals, they have to change. They just do. We, we, can't, we can't stay limited. You know, when, when, when people have a negative attitude uh, or a limited belief system, we're intended to have limited beliefs for a period of time so that we can learn to function within that set of rules. But once we acclimate to that and we become good at that, we can't help but expand. It is our natural birthright to continue to expand into eternity. That's the whole point. So what does that mean? How does one make that conscious shift into giving themselves permission to say, you know, being taught one thing growing up and then learning that it's not that way at all. We have a lot of, there are a lot of people who are born right now on, on the planet. They're coming in uh, and they're here to reconcile old traumas, old cultural traumas. And by old cu cultural traumas, I mean traumas that are based in 
hundreds of years ago, um, sometimes thousands of years ago. But we are now all incarnating to reawaken those traumas so that we can either grieve them, reconcile them, and then transform them. Right? And the first step to doing that is to allow yourself to emotionally shift from one perspective to another. Grief, mourning, and recovery as far as our emotions. What does that look like? Allowing ourselves to grief, to have the emotion, to consciously recognize what the emotion, what the message of the emotion is bringing us. And then the transition in how did I use that emotion before? What information did it bring me? And how did I use that thing? How did I, um, I'm trying to think of a, of a, a good example. Um, people come in with beliefs about race, like this idea that we are multiple races. Well, we really aren't. You know, we, we are, we are one race, we are the human race. And then we all have different attributes based on where in the world our, our people come from. And now we are all integrating into one big connected grouping of people, right? But if you've not been taught that, if you have been taught something other than that, to then wake up in a body and a mind and a spirit that doesn't hold that information that doesn't believe that to be true, but yet it's, and it puts you in conflict with your, with your world, with your caregivers, with your milieu. I love that word. <laughs> it puts you in conflict. And so you are the one that's left to reconcile that conflict. And it's always imperative that you go with what is righteous for you. Meaning regardless of what your world outside of you is telling you, you have to go with the part of you that, that, that brings you into connection with others. Limitedness is excluding others. Limitlessness is including others, including them in some, like in including them, recognizing that they are connected to you in some way, whether or not you can be clear on that way or point it out, but to recognize that you share the space and there's a common ground. If they are, if they're, if you are aware of them on any level, there's a common ground that is bringing you together in the same space. And that's energetic. It's emotional. And it's, it's what your truth is. And so the more you give yourself permission to investigate that truth and allow yourself to expand into that truth, it will release you from the burden of those beliefs and ideals that you carry that keep you restricted, keep you limited, and keep you uh, exclusive. It's very interesting. You know, uh, I live, I live uh, Hollywood adjacent now, but I, I lived, you know, smack dab near Hollywood for many, many years. And... I thought, I thought that moving here would be, it was a very different experience. It's, it's a very emotional, it's very energetic. Um, New York, I came from New York, 
uh, to to LA, and I was used to people just saying what it was and and seeing that, accepting it, moving on if I didn't like it. And in LA, nobody nobody at least at the beginning was nobody was up front, <laughs> and and so dealing with that passive aggressive. Well, they're saying one thing, but they're kind of doing this other thing, and now I'm just confused, and it just leaves me in this stasis where I where I can't make a decision. Right, constantly being in that position where people say one thing, but they do another, it leaves you in a position where you just have to make a choice. It's not that you are being put in stasis, but when you rely on other people to help you to recognize who you are and to navigate who you are and what you need in life, it constantly puts you in that position to not have to step into who you are and make take authority and make a decision. So. Uh, when you've had an emotional loss, that's that's eventually the recovery aspect of of your emotional loss is really acknowledging what is it I need to be a, take authority over, and what actions, what decisions do I need to make to allow me to do that? What what do I need to give my permission myself permission to think, feel, do, or experience in order to allow myself to transcend? to that next level of vision. So we've been talking about navigating loss. And this is Tracy Dunblazer. And you've been watching Chatcast. Your karma got you down. Claim your history. Own your power. And change your life. In this groundbreaking book, Tracy Dunblazer takes an in-depth look at your karmic relationships and repetitive patterns that position you in life. This 10-time award-winning best-selling book will inspire change in you. You'll learn all the ways to reveal, accept, forgive, and transform your relationships on every level, not only to your soulmates and romantic relationships, but how you relate to food, money, family, culture, religion, sex, death, and your environment. Conquer your karmic relationships. Heal spiritual trauma to open your heart and restore your soul. Will help you unearth the very core of what drives you. Showing how to direct its power into usable, life-giving resources. Through radical acceptance, learn how to recognize your karmic relationships and love yourself and the life you have right now. Pick up a copy of Conquer Your Karmic Relationships anywhere books are sold. Hi, welcome back to Chatcast. My name is Tracy Dunblazer. I'm a spiritual empath and shaman. And today we're talking about navigating loss. I want to now talk about spiritual loss. And the spiritual loss, we have an aspect of spiritual loss in any loss. When we have a physical loss, we go through an emotional loss and a spiritual loss. And spiritual loss is the changing or transition of our beliefs, ideals, a change of our reality, right? Because once, once you know, once you learn certain information, you may have disbelieved it before, but once you learn information, it changes your reality. It just shifts you just a few degrees this way. And that whole, that reality is a brand new picture uh, in which you view everything differently. So, one of the things I, I often um, I think about in, in this is that 
growing up, I always, I, I was certain I was going to be a dancer. <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't, I wasn't awful. In fact, I'm a great dancer. I'm just not a great athlete. You know, every time I would go to really, like, I, I don't have the ability to overcome my physical pain. I don't have a, uh, the ability to sit aside my physical pain. I turn it into emotional pain and I grieve it. And you can't really do that when you're an athlete. You have to dance through it. You have to move through it. And I could never do that. And so eventually, you know, pretty early on, I went, I went to New York thinking that I was going to be a dancer there. And, you know, within a year, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to be a dancer. <laughs> this is definitely not going to happen. And I was like, wow, you know, my mother always told me that I wasn't going to do that. But she didn't tell me in a, you know, loving, all-knowing, you know, prophetic way, like, child, your, your destiny is elsewhere. No, she did not do that. She'd like, yeah, well, look, if you can't practice, you're not going to do that. Like, don't waste your time. And it was always really upsetting to me. And so it, it, it I formed this profound attachment to who I am if I'm not that. And when I got to New York and I, there was, I, I loved Broadway. I, I was an actress. I did, I uh, did cabaret for, for quite some time. Um, I loved to use my humor to create characters, to bring new understanding to, to life through entertainment. And that was, that was fun, but it wasn't every aspect dance was never really fully a part of it. I could never sustain it. And because, because I'd had this interaction with my mother where I, I was left feeling less than or incapable, I felt ashamed of my empathy. I felt ashamed of the, my emotionalism. I felt ashamed that I couldn't just overcome how I was feeling and gut it out and dance through it. And Eventually, I learned that being an empath is, is definitely who and how I am. I mean, it, it's who I am because it informs every aspect of me. It, it really allows me to see deeper levels into people, places, things, spiritual dimensions. But eventually I learned, you know, e even, if, even if I wanted to dance, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been a chorus girl. You know, I, I would have been a choreographer. You know, either way, no matter how you sliced it, if I had if I had really tried to gut it out and stay in the industry and keep keep doing that thing, I would have never been satisfied with just dancing or with being an athlete because my heart power and my brain power was way too and my my voice was way too important to me like that. That was my mission. My mission was not making my body. In pain. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. So when I realized that it, it allowed me, it freed me, it freed me from the opinions of other people, how they perceived me, what I did with those perceptions, right? It, it shipped, completely shifted me into a whole new reality that allowed me to more deeply see who I am and my deeper mission uh, in the world. And that's one of the things that we, when we are grieving a loss, when we, when we lose, you know, there are a lot of people who lost their houses in Kentucky. We just had uh, in, in 
Colorado, a fire took out over a thousand homes. So when you when you address this catastrophic loss, you know one of one of the things that you have to do is adjust not not just to dealing with the physical aspects of it, but where where is it leading you to? When one thing ends, something something else has to open up. I mean, it's, that's just that's how it is. That's not a that's not a positive affirmation. You know, I'm not. <laughs> you know that that is just how it is. When one thing ends, another thing does in fact open up. And so, you do yourself a great service by allowing yourself the grief to move through you to allow you to envision it, to see it, to imagine it, to walk towards it. Um. Our grief is one of the things that helps us to overcome obstacles. And our biggest obstacle to anything is how we see it. Right? If we see a mountain too high, if we tell ourselves over and over, oh, that mountain's just too high. I can't, there's no way I can climb that. It's too steep. It's too high. It's too far away. There's, you know, when you set yourself up with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, you have to overcome those obstacles first. Those are mental, emotional, and spiritual obstacles that you must overcome before you can finally get to the physical aspect of climbing that mountain. So use obstacle is shifting the way you perceive things and giving you new opportunities to do the same thing if you want if you like choose to stay engaged in it if i had chosen to stay engaged in dance i would have done dance but i would have choreo choreographed it i would have done something that wasn't the 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 physical element of it that i didn't enjoy right so whatever it is that you do if you're not successful at it in a particular way you have to allow uh some sort of modification to take place and that is how we transition in loss is by that's it's it's a part of the mourning process is to allow those those transitions to take place and those modifications to take place so that we can always move forward so there's one other thing i want to read to you it's called uh, the slayer's motto i flow with a changing world Getting in flow with your environment is necessary to survive in today's changing climate. But to do that, you must begin to understand the people and dynamics at play in your outside world. Not just how things are, but more importantly, how they got that way. When you can visualize the process or path something or someone took to get to their current state or condition, it becomes natural to find a solution to what ails them or a new path for projects that have stalled. Everyone's heard of a midlife crisis. It's the point in anyone's life where a dramatic change is wanted or needed. And in previous decades, it commonly occurred between the ages of 40 and 50. Today, there are less and less people working for companies for long periods of time and the corporate structure that was typical in other times is less desirable for people today. In this climate of entrepreneurship, the new midlife crisis is the constant change in jobs and work environment that has become the norm. So instead of just one job and one major life change, people today are sure to have many. Fields of work, 
have been independently run and disappearing and many jobs uh, have or are becoming obsolete, if not completely, at least in part. People whose families have done the same thing, same jobs, same industries for centuries or finding themselves in a unique position to no longer have a daily structure created for them to rely on. Today, while anyone who wants a job can find one for themselves, there needs to be a fundamental shift in one's thinking about work. There needs to be an acknowledgement that if you or someone you know finds themselves in this position of making an unsolicited life or work change, that you or they will need to grieve the transition and can expect to feel many emotions such as anger, sadness, self-pity, depression, confusion, and fear. Um, that really, you know, I, I saw on a, on a news report that uh, 3% of the national workforce here in the United States quit. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not mad at you because I, you know, I've not, I could never sustain working in an office environment. That is not my thing. I, I, I barely do do okay with a boss or a supervisor. Like in general, I, I don't like that. I'm, I'm a self-made self, uh, uh, I'm an, I'm an efficient person on my own and I like to work in teams, but I don't like a boss. So many people are, are, are navigating to that. They're transitioning to that. And that leaves literally there. I mean, I, you know, I, when I was writing this book, I was thinking about people in our coal interest, coal industry, coal is just not, it's not being used in the way that it used to be. It, it's just, it's not sustainable. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we are uh, eventually going to eliminate it completely. Um, no matter how hard people try to keep it in play, it's not something that's going to be sustained. And eventually it's going to be completely obsolete. But, you know, how do you deal with, you know, multiple generations, four, five, six, seven generations of people having done that one thing their whole life? You know, that's a, that's a pretty profound transition. And so, uh, and many people are in that, you know, the expectation, you know, uh, kids going to, to college to become doctors and lawyers, because those are the, the main, you know, are, those, those have been in life perceived as the main money-making uh, jobs to have. But they're, you know, healthcare is not what it used to be. Being a doctor is not, is not what it used to be. So, uh, how how are you going to navigate this transition of your thinking to do you know we're still going to need doctors we're still going to need caregivers we're still going to need uh people to bring us energy you know we, we our, our world still needs these services but they're going to need them in new ways that are sustainable so how can you be a part of that transition and that solution rather than raging against the fact that raging against the change you know that's you know if, if you are a person who is in deep grief but you're not allowing the grief you're not allowing yourself to feel cheated and 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 that the world is unfair and that you give yourself permission to cry it out until you can allow that flow of energy through you to clear your mind to clear your heart of the old paradigm and to awaken in you the new paradigm. That's the interesting thing about grief and, and our spiritual losses is that when, when one thing, when one portal 
closes down and disappears, something new has awakened in us that has the solution that we need completely. It has exactly what we need and exactly how to get it. And if we will allow that process to take place and then give ourselves permission to tune into it, to not panic, <laughs> you know, people, people panic. And I, you know, I get it. I get it. If I had not been an entrepreneur for the last 30 years, I'd panic, you know, but I, I spent the first 20 years panicking. I just didn't panic the last 10, you know, panic is a part of it, but you at some point have to say, you know what? I have the wisdom and I'd like to see it now. You know, I'd like to acknowledge it. I'd like to embrace the wisdom that I carry that has lent me to or guided me to this situation. How can I see what is awakened in me? How can I feel what is awakened in me to perceive the new job, the new path that I have? Yes. Paloma, Paloma, Paloma wants to know. So. Yeah. Sometimes it's a choice to recognize that what is the loss in your life is happening for you and not to you that there is something that is awakened and that you've been working towards. That's the other element is that when, when these things happen, they're not random. We have been working towards that change. All of these people who quit their, the 3% of the workforce in the United States that quit their job, all of those people have been, <coughs> excuse me, wanting to make changes mentally, emotionally, spiritual, spiritually that allow them to be in a grouping of people that allow for that transition and that growth, for that autonomy, for that liberation, for that joy. You know, they've been working towards it. They've been preparing for it. They've been giving themselves permission to have it. And so the next step is, you know, they're going to create their own path or find the job that better suits them with the conditions that they want, that they've been working for. You know, if we want a peaceful environment, part of the work we have to do is we have to become peaceful, you know? So when you, when you refuse to be impatient, like Paloma, Paloma, she is so impatient all the time. <laughs> Oh, I know. She's so cute though. Um, it's almost like spring here today and she's, uh, she's beside herself. She's ready for it to go on a big hike, but, uh, back to the topic. When you're addressing loss, you have to be willing to transition how, how you think and feel about it and own that you have the power. Any change that happens is going to start with you and giving yourself permission to allow anything you feel to move through, to bring the new ideas and the new awakenings that come with the transition you're seeking. Even if it feels like it happened to you, what it becomes can be for you. So thank you again for, for tuning in to Chatcast today. This has been Tracy Dunblazer.
You've been listening to Chatcast with Tracy Dunblazer, the award-winning spiritual podcast that takes on all the hard topics. Join us next time for more in-depth conversations about life and relationships. Thanks for listening.